Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 68 of the Eyes Free Sports Podcast. This is your host, Greg Lindbergh. Here on episode 68, we are chatting with a young lady from the Long Island, New York area, and she is an accomplished entrepreneur and small business owner in the PR and writing realm, and she has also participated in a number of adaptive sports for the blind and visually impaired, including both snow skiing and water skiing, as well as beat baseball and martial arts. So let's go ahead and hit the slopes and get rolling now downhill with episode 68 of Eyes Free Sports. All right, so my guest here on this episode of Eyes Free Sports is Krista Janik. And Krista is a very accomplished entrepreneur, small business owner, and also has dabbled in several different adaptive sports. Uh, Krista, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Greg. Absolutely. Really appreciate you joining me here. And a lot of questions, a lot of things I want to dig into just about your journey, your experience. And I guess we can start off the conversation with just uh, speaking about where you were born and your, your formative years in life. I was born, I've, I've lived all my life actually on Long Island, New York. And so as a result, I went to Helen Keller summer camp. And that's actually the first exposure that I had to any sort of adaptive sports as a totally blind person. I played beat baseball as a kid, and I was just (laughs) like, I I had no interest whatsoever in sports growing up in camp. Uh, At least in the early years, I was just like, you know, I I think because it wasn't like coordinated and like I didn't feel it was it was sort of um, like we would play soccer and I wouldn't know what was going on in the, on the other side of the field or oh, we would play beep baseball or, you know, and the, and the beepers would just kind of break that, you know, the balls would fall and <laughs> they would <laughs> break off the tee because it was on the tee. That's how sure. we did it. That's how we did the, yep. the baseball. We, we put the, you know, so it was just not the best and you know, to top it all off, my feet always hurt. So I was just like, I don't want to stand here anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So it it was, it's an interesting contrast to when I was a kid hating sports. And now having tried all different things, I've tried all different versions of skiing blind, water skiing, alpine skiing, Nordic skiing, and I've, I've enjoyed it all. Sure, sure. Very I, interesting. I love to swim, too, although I haven't done the adaptive version of swimming. I just I ended up taking individualized hands-on swimming lessons as a kid. So that's how right. I learned to swim. But I'm not a professional <laughs> swimmer by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, I see. Oh, I see. And then just talk to us about your actual visual impairment and what is your specific condition? I'm totally blind due to a condition called Leber's congenital amaurosis, which is, for a little science lesson, genetically recessive, which means both of my parents are carriers, but they do not have the condition. As a result, I'm totally blind. I can see a little bit of light, but nothing functional that would help me with sports. Right, right. I see. I'm actually in the very same boat, LCA. Parents with a similar, you know, carrier gene and 
we just kind of lucked out with what we got, but we yeah. made the best of it. Right? And it's interesting because when I go on podcasts, I don't usually like to talk about the medical side. Sure. Because I feel like it takes away from... It, it puts the focus on diagnoses and that sort of journey and away from our life, life journeys. Of course, it's different on this type of podcast because, you know, most of the listeners here are either blind or visually impaired or, or people who know others who are blind or visually impaired. So I feel like it's a different audience. But it is worth noting that that's something that uh, I've learned that we can shape the stories that people tell about us. And part of the way that I shape my story is by focusing on who I am as a person and, and my the way that I've faced fear and overcome challenge as a blind person and otherwise. So that way, when I get to talk about all the fun, you know, blind sports kind of stuff, I can do it from a different perspective, from a, a perspective of strength. Sure. I really appreciate that perspective and that that attitude that a lot of people don't have. <laughs> um, so in terms of your education, let's just talk about uh, as far as schooling. Did you go to mainstream schools or talk to me I about did. your education? That's why the camp was was my first exposure to other blind kids. Sure. And the I went to mainstream schools, mainstream college, got a BA in communications and psychology and that's where, and by that point, I was still not really doing sports, even even into college, um, aside from the only thing I, I had started martial arts. We have a local martial arts instruction. Uh, his name is Sensei Devin Fernandez of Third Eye Insight. And he is a wonderfully inspiring person because he lost his vision and instead of, now, you know, I understand that vision loss can be a time of grief. What he did was he turned that around and said, I, I'm not seeing anywhere for blind and visually impaired people to work out. So I'm going to be the change. I'm going to create the place to work out. Those aren't his words, but that's kind of how I remember his story, that he's a black belt in ninjutsu, and he decided that he was going to keep sharing that gift with the world, even as he was going through vision loss. Right. Yeah. And definitely a cool guy I had a chance to interview on a previous episode. So when he told me about this program for skiing in Vermont for blind people and visually impaired people, I was like, what? Really? I didn't really... I hadn't thought it was possible. I never even thought to Google it. That's how sure. much I didn't believe that <laughs> I didn't even think it was a thing. <laughs> even though as a kid, I had heard about people skiing and I'd heard about their freedom, the freedom that they felt going down that hill. And I thought, oh, that would be so much fun to try. And I left it at that because I never actually thought I would get to try it. And I'm curious, why did that, why did you have that thought? Why did you think, you know, it would never happen? I think my mind was just closed. I didn't see a way. So I assumed there wasn't one. And it's unfortunately what many sighted people do when they look at us. They don't see how we can do all these basic skills that we feel are everyday, everyday skills. So they're just like, oh yeah, they can't do that. And Unfortunately, I did that about skiing. 
So as embarrassed as I am to say it on a podcast like this, when I speak to sighted people, because I'm on podcasts, I do panels, I speak, and I, I speak as both a writer and a person who used to shy away from my story. So I help people not to shy away from theirs, to embrace the benefits of their stories. So when I speak to them, I have that relatability aspect of, hey, I used to think this was impossible too. I know you are amazed. I used to think it wasn't possible either. Right. And as sad as it is that I kind of made that presumption, because I never even thought to research it. It just kind of was, you know, you know how we have passing dreams, passing ideas, and we just never, never pursue them. Sure. The skiing was was like that for me. And I never even thought about water skiing in any way, shape or form until I found out about it, you know, years later that, that again, they were doing blind adaptive water skiing. So all these different opportunities I found out about. So now what I tell people is when you think something's impossible, go find someone who's already done it because that's what happened to me. Right, right. Very interesting perspective. That's why I'm so glad you have this podcast because you really are putting the impossible people, quote unquote, on the stage and and showing people who are listening that, wait a minute, there is a lot out there. So hopefully people listening to this, you know, it's, it's going to be much harder for them to presume, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And that's definitely my goal, not only to showcase individual stories, but also just to present the various resources, programs, opportunities out there and, you know, so many different sports and recreation possibilities. I mean, it's, I've covered a lot on this podcast, but I know there are even more out there and it's, it's just so cool personally for me to see that, but to, to be able to get to share that with others is so rewarding. Yeah, it's exciting. Absolutely. So in terms of skiing, I, I know you mentioned both, you know, snow skiing as well as water skiing. Uh, let's just talk about your experiences. Just, you know, let's let's start with snow skiing. Um, and I guess it's the Vermont Adaptive Program. Is that the one that you've participated in? Yeah, the United States Association of Blind Athletes. So if you want to visit usaba.org, if you're interested in skiing for yourself, they have a number of, of different types of programs. They, they're big on goalball, which I haven't tried, but but skiing... They, they do this weekend annually in Vermont, or at least they did before the pandemic. And they, I think they may have done it one more time. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, it's a special weekend just for the blind and visually impaired because Vermont Adaptive is cross-disability. And sure. they, they help people to ski. I was so impressed with the instructors because I was so scared. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget that first weekend where I heard the the swoosh of the skiers going by and I felt the peppery snow in my face. I listened to the snow machine and all the cheery sounds. And here I was on flat ground and yet I was really, really scared. Like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? <laughs> I'll yep. never forget that. Wow. So it was cross country. Is that what you started with? 
No, I started with Downhill because that's what uh, Vermont Adaptive had started with. Okay. But even to get me up there, there were a number of steps that I had to take. And I talk about when I give speeches, I talk about taking those little tiny steps because that's what I had to do in order to face my fear. In order to to open my mind and say, wait a minute, actually, this is possible. And not only is it possible, it might even be possible for Krista Janik. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up, I I picked up the phone and called Tom Alcorn at Vermont Adaptive. I spoke with him and asked him a million questions. Oh, do, do do the instructors have lots of experience? How do they know what to do? You know, do people get hurt? How many people get hurt? Yep, yep, just bombarding with everything coming to your mind. <laughs> yeah, what ultimately happened is I learned that they have a method to their madness. And Tom said something very simple, very low key. He said, Why don't you come and experience it for yourself? Why don't you come and check it out and be on the snow with us? You don't even have to ski if you don't want to. But just Hmm. being in the environment, that was what he was encouraging me to do, to to actually get to know the people who were embarking on this thing that I thought was terrifying. And that, for me, that made all the difference, to actually meet the quote-unquote impossible people (laughs) (laughs) and actually realize that these were real down-to-earth people out there skiing, out there having faced fears because, you know, not all of them were like, you know, super brave. <laughs> Some of them had been sure. afraid too. And they faced their fears. And I realized, oh, okay, there's a method to this. And it was, it was, a, it was slow going. I put on the boots, those awful, awful ski boots. They are very painful. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Everybody was cheerful around me. And I was like, I'm not going to let these ski boots stop me. I know there's, the, there's a way to make this less painful. I know there has to be because people are doing this and having fun. So I'm just going to have to learn how to do it. Sure. So there was that there was learning to walk in the skis because in the ski boots, because they're very clumsy, just putting the skis on and feeling that somewhat unstable surface under my feet, which of course, is even more unstable in cross country. Right. And I'll never forget that that first time when they gave me that little push down that little hill, we weren't even up on the ski lift yet. And we were using the skills. They were calling out directions and left and straight and slight right, you know, things like that. And, and they were literally forging a path forward, a safe path forward for me. There was a, a, a ski instructor and there were two ski guides with the ski instructor. And that's usually, usually there's the ski instructor and one or two ski guides, depending on the situation, or sometimes it's just you and the, and the instructor or, or guide, depending on the situation. Right. But either way, they are really focused on safety. They're really focused on making sure that we have a clear path forward, that there's room to skid you know, there's room to not be perfect. There's room to make mistakes. And if there isn't, then we go somewhere 
where there is more room, even if it's like at the bottom of a more advanced slope, but there's not as much of a crowd. Okay, we'll go to the bottom and we'll walk a little to make sure we're not in the crowd, that kind of thing. Oh, I see. So obviously that gave you a lot of confidence, made you feel more at ease, right? Yeah, the fact that they that they were literally forging the path and that they were they had been trained, they had experience directing people, they, you know, so, and also physically assisting because I needed, being a totally blind person, I needed lots of hands-on assistance. And I'll never sure. forget when they pushed me down that little hill and I was skiing and I was gliding and it was so exciting and I was falling. <laughs> and I got right back up again. Wow. So no major injuries. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't get hurt, thankfully. And actually, I didn't get right back up. That's That's sort of a fun little exaggeration just to... You know, but the reality of it is that um, it actually takes quite a while to get back up when you fall in these weird positions with your legs every which way. And <laughs> but uh, sure. you know, that's that's part of the the magic is that I was working with these people who were just so warm and welcoming and understanding. Right. Because I didn't right. know what the heck I was doing. You know, never, never even ice skated, <laughs> never even <laughs> rollerbladed. And here I was out there trying to ski. <laughs> sure. A whole new environment for sure. <laughs> and I know that there are different approaches uh, as far as the guide being behind the blind or visually impaired skier or in some cases, I guess if the skier had the, you know, the visually impaired skier has a little more sight. Uh, actually following the guide so what uh, what kind of approach have you done well as a as a blind person i wasn't as much focused on their cuz they they would change positions and like i said there was more than there were more than one of them so if there was sure. a, a, I see. A, an instructor and a guide and you know the, the lead person would call out directions so i would only be listening to the one voice Right. But I knew that the other people were also there or the other person was also there to, again, as a, as a check, a safety, you know, safety check. So that was also reassuring. So there, there are different approaches. They use different approaches depending on the situation, depending on how much hands-on assistance I needed at the time. Sure. So I can't really speak so much to that. Because I was more focused on my own body and the, in general, the sounds around me and the, the fall line under my feet, just right. learning about the, the angles, making sure the other thing that I learned too, was that you don't just zoom down the hill, you, you traverse a slope, you go across especially if you're at the, you know, the top of, of a ski lift, you know, you don't necessarily just zoom down. Right, right. Oh, yeah, it's more of a process. Exactly. And they're, they were doing, and the bunny slope at Pico Mountain in Vermont, where I learned, was a, and that means that's like a beginner of beginner slopes. And it was oh, kind see. of like an S curve, where there were quite a few wide turns that we were making to traverse the slope so that it's not going directly down. Right. Gotcha. The other thing was, there was another approach that we had used at one point where they wanted to show me what was possible. 
So uh, they had a horizontal bamboo pole. I think it was a bamboo pole, if I recall correctly, where I was in the middle and there was one person on either side of me. So in that way, they were able to ski with skill and I didn't have to have so much skill. I was kind of along for the ride. And it was just a way of showing me what was possible, showing me the, the exhilaration of skiing, the fun. Interesting. Hmm. And then I know, uh, you know, camaraderie is certainly a big part of sports, recreation. And just talk to me about individuals you've connected with and met uh, through snow skiing. Yeah, it's it's just I've had some wonderful conversations and, and times. One of my first instructors, well, she she was actually a a, a guide, um, but she was very good, and she ended up doing a lot of my instructing in the beginning. And she was a um, an artist. Her name was Shasta. That was cool because I'm a writer. She was an artist, and right, you know, it was, it, it's always cool to get to know creatives. Um, there was another Absolutely. gentleman who was uh, an engineer. So I could connect on the level of that that we both like to break things down and analyze things. So so yeah, I think it's just like anything else where when you have a common interest with people, it brings us together to then uh, explore other interests. Absolutely. Well stated. Uh, so let's move on to water skiing and just talk to me about how you were introduced to water skiing and, you know, again, the, the enjoyment that you've gotten out of that activity. I believe it was Sensei Devin again. <laughs> <laughs> this program is called Leaps of Faith, Adaptive hmm. Skiers, and it's in Connecticut. And I went quite a few times there because what they have is what I actually learned was water skiing for blind and visually impaired people isn't actually that much different, but there is some rhythm with the driver. Like ideally you have kind of a rhythm where you have a sense of when to stand up, how much to stand up, like how far, you know, and ideally the driver kind of starts out slower so that you can, especially as a beginner, so that you can stand up at the right time because I had a couple of times where I didn't have that rhythm and I face planted and got water right up my nose. That hurt. Oof. I ended up getting a sinus <laughs> infection. So that wasn't a thrill. Mm, yo, no so, fun. But, but on the other hand, it was an experience that I now know what, what is, is possible. And I now know kind of how, you know, what to, what to ask for that I want to make sure that they are able to to see me or communicate with me and and make those kind of make those calls if at all possible. Right. That way, so the the skiing, water skiing, the the difference between regular water skiing and skiing for the blind and visually impaired, they have something called a boom. It's like a it's it's a horizontal pole that you can hold on to that they have on it's attached to the boat and it's a more stable surface just to learn to stand up in the water while the boat is moving hmm. which is wonderful because again it's kind of like what i was describing about you get the ride without having all the skills necessarily but it gives you the experience it gives you the freedom the sensations so that's fun and as as time went on I got to shift from holding that, that boom 
to they have they have ropes that you can grab which are less stable so that's learning to grab onto a less stable surface and eventually they pull out the they they kind of I guess pull out the line I don't know the term I'm not good at that stuff but uh, they pull out the line so that you end up behind the boat like other water skiers right it's it's a, a progression that's really what the, one of the biggest lessons i learned from adaptive sports is that there are progressions to these things and the reason why it seems like it's not possible is that you know we don't know the method we don't know the progression we don't know what it's going to feel like until we try sure Sure. Great point. And obviously it's in a lot of cases, you know, it's fairly simple adaptations and techniques that can make these activities very accessible. Yeah. I'm, I'm amazed that like it's simple, but yet it's innovative. People True. have to think outside the box and, and come up with these techniques. Right. Absolutely. A lot of thought has gone into all this. Definitely. It's changed the way that I look at my blindness. Because I used to shy away from my story. I was afraid to disclose the fact that I'm blind to people who I've never met. I mean, it was bad enough that I would walk into a room and everyone would see the cane. Right. Or they would see that I'm not making eye contact. So it would make me afraid of going on video. It would make me concerned about all sorts of situations. But as a result of not disclosing, I wasn't seeming to check off all the boxes. People would ask me questions like, do you do graphic design? Uh, nope. <laughs> Can't see. <laughs> do you do HTML? Well, I know a little bit, but not enough to, you know, I, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm a, a storyteller. I love sharing knowledge and impact and other people's aha moments. That's, that's my passion. Sure. So that what I realized was that because I wasn't checking off all those boxes and I was kind of waiting for the phone to ring, just kind of being depressed. I'm sure many of the listeners have experienced periods where it was like this, where they were just kind of like waiting, wondering, filling out the next application, what's going to happen. Yep. <laughs> I realized that I was really at a very low point and in a way that it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy that I was at such a low point that I wasn't getting anywhere. And so what I needed to do was build myself back up. I needed to have ways that I could share my strengths, that I could help others, that I could share, that I could have an impact on my little corner of the world. That's when I decided that I needed to get my own clients. I didn't know it was going to be a business yet. I didn't know I was going to make it kind of an official business, quote unquote. Right. I didn't know that. But it happened after, because I had, I had done some PR for a nonprofit. I had, before that, worked at a hospitality industry trade journal, which was interesting. I, I got to interview all these hotel execs and ask <laughs> questions. Cool. That was a cool internship. <laughs> I had gotten to write for some local newspapers. The problem is when the PR position was eliminated and the 
newspapers got bought out. It's like, okay, I'm back again, looking for a job. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I, I realized that I needed to do things while I was waiting. I couldn't just wait. I needed hmm. to make things happen. Even if they weren't like exactly what I wanted to happen, even if I wasn't making a lot of money, like I ended up doing some freelancing online and I got paid very little at that stage because I just wanted, I wanted easy pickings. I wanted stuff that I knew I could get so I could fill my portfolio and build those strengths and say, yes, I can do this. I can do this. Right. Right. Interesting. So that I had a, a more wide variety of, of experiences. Because I feel like when we don't have a lot of job experience, work experience in terms of at a full-time paid job, we can make up for some of that with other types of experiences. And that's, that's what I knew I needed to do. And ultimately, it, it became my business, wisewordsthatmatter.com. That's where I, I do writing for a variety of different clients now. And now I share about my blindness story. That's back to where we were before about the blindness, that the way I used to shy away from it and wasn't checking the boxes and yada, yada, in large part because of the skiing, and other types of experiences, other types of turning points that I've had in my life, I've learned to embrace the story. The idea that, wait a minute, I can actually share from a firsthand perspective what it's like to reveal my personal story. What it's like to go through those dilemmas of, oh my gosh, do I share? Do I not share? This is too vulnerable. What do I do? Because my sure. clients are going through some of the same stuff. I'm not a coach, but at the same time, when I'm writing for someone and they tell me, oh, that's too personal. I don't want to share that. I want to have something to come back with either to inspire them to share it or, or kind of to show them things they, they can share that they would feel more comfortable with. Right. And I'm curious as far as, you know, new clients that you approach, ones that you have taken on, how, you know, how revealing are you when it comes to your blindness? Well, now everybody knows because my LinkedIn says blind skier. Uh, I see. And some people <laughs> don't actually believe that. Now, blind skier is a little bit of a gimmick. You know, that term blind skier. Sure. But, sure. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it is what they use in Vermont. We actually wear these, they call them bibs because that's what they look like. And they either say blind skier, visually impaired skier, or, or like guide, ski guide, or something like that. Just so that everyone would see us a mile away and know that we can't see. Right. And so, and the whole blind skier thing it's kind of a novelty. So it gets people to either click or be interested in the presentation or, or get me on a podcast. But then that opens the door. It, it opens the gateway to talking about other more mundane concepts like sharing your story, like overcoming fear of being on video, like networking for the first time, like all these things that listeners, readers, clients go through on a regular basis. Sure. Absolutely. And I do just, I'm so fascinated that 
you know, pairing the terms blind and skier, you know, blindness and sports, a sports activity, you know, versus saying blind writer, blind marketing professional. Really fascinated by that. Yeah, I mean, because blind writer sounds, I don't know, just ordinary. Sure, sure. Whereas... I mean, it's not, it's not ordinary in the sense that it takes talent and all that and, you know, yada, yada. But skier in and of itself has a little bit of like, oh, wow, you ski? Cool. <laughs> so then if you put right. blind skier for people who don't even know that it's possible. And then, of course, I let them in on the secret. Like, hey, there's a whole community of skiers out there who happen to be blind <laughs> and visually impaired. And I'm a beginner not a very good skier, but that's not the point. I'm, I've, I've faced fear to, to just go out there and do it, even though I was afraid. Right, right. That's awesome. Um, I guess to wrap up here, just a few other quickies um, in terms of, you know, adaptive sports. Just share your advice to someone listening to this who maybe has never participated in any kind of adaptive sports or maybe did, you know, years ago and, and is kind of curious about it and what what kind of benefits, you know, I know you've definitely touched on this already, but what kind of benefits would you say that participating in adaptive sports can bring to someone's life, you know, physically, mentally, career-wise, relationships, etc.? I think in terms of benefits, it's it's a way of gaining confidence in a different way and it's also a way of being seen in a different light because i mean let's face it adaptive sports are pretty cool right sure yep. they're just they're just cool they're just they seem extraordinary on the surface but of course we know having once you try them that they're really just a series of ordinary steps that many people took before us and so it's it's interesting that sports is it can kind of be a gateway to talking about blindness in a fun way. I mean, I, I really I'm sure that many people listening to this will relate. I just got so tired of all the basic questions. Oh, how do you type? Oh, wow. You know, I know somebody who was actually asked, how do you find the bathroom at a job interview? That wasn't me, but I actually know somebody who was asked that. Wow. Amazing. So, yeah. I mean, the re I mean, there is some sadness there that I really wish that we all had more of a disability education growing up, that whenever we sure. meet somebody new with some new disability that we haven't met before, I wish we kind of knew the answers. <laughs> you know, I wish we grew up learning about disability in a more inclusive way. So even though I have that sadness, well, how do I combat that sadness or that frustration or that anger? Because it's not directed at any particular person. I'm not angry at the curious people. You know, I, I, I want to answer the questions because I, I, whether I like it or not, I'm kind of the representative blind person that they've, that they've met. Right. And I have different, I have choices. I can either, what I learned was they're going to tell stories about me, whether I like it or not. So I might as well influence the story that they tell. And so adaptive sports is, or they, they are wonderful stories to, to share with others, wonderful ways to be active with other people in a team, either on a team or even as an individual. Like, I mean, on the sports I'm talking about, we're individual sports. 
there's still camaraderie. I would also say that it, it gave me opportunities to travel places because a lot of times adaptive sports are not going to be right next door. I'm very lucky to have the martial arts here. Sure. But, you know, a lot of times they're, they're far away. We have to travel to them. We have to step out of our comfort zones even just to check them out at times. And, and that, those are life skills. I went to a program in Baltimore called Blind Industries and Services of Maryland. It's a, a, a program that's largely based on the NFB philosophy. And the, the, the learning that I did there was, they called it structured discovery. And in a way, that's kind of what sometimes it's like with adaptive sports, where you, you learn certain things just by doing. You learn certain things, you figure things out. Like there's a method to the madness, but sometimes certain things can't be taught with words. You have to learn to feel your way in adaptive sports. Right, right. So true. So that those experiences, you know, have been very important to me and very confidence boosting because the reality of it is that although traditional travel training instructors or mobility instructors, they'll just teach you based on a particular goal. They'll, they'll teach you a certain environment or they'll teach you a specific place that you're going to have to go to all the time. And that's great. At the same time, what happens when we want to go to lots of new places? Are we going to get a mobility instructor to teach us every single new place that we'll ever want to go? You know, it, it becomes not practical and, and the state won't even support it. <laughs> and by the time you right. get, yeah, and by the time you get them to, to come in and show you every new place you want to go to, you, you'll, it, the, the, the need will have passed. You'll be like, well, I, I can't go there anymore. I missed the deadline. I can't go to that event now. <laughs> right. So right. It, I, I realized pretty early on that I would need to know some skills for navigating unfamiliar environments. What do I do? How do I enlist? How do I, how do I ask the right questions of, of people that I'm passing by? Or how do I otherwise get information? And those are important skills that I learned from that, that also cross over into adaptive sports, that a lot of it is about figuring out how we learn best, asking the right questions, trying things, falling, getting back up, trying again, and also enjoying the journey. Because, I mean, if I hadn't enjoyed some part of my skiing journey and martial arts journey, I, I wouldn't have kept going. Absolutely. Very well stated. And then finally here, I did want to give you the opportunity to mention any kind of social media, contact info, if you want to mention your website again uh, for folks to find you online. Yeah, I'm at wisewordsthatmatter.com. I love to serve speakers, experts, thought leaders, people who are innovating in some way or otherwise making a difference in their little corner of the world. That's what I do as a writer. So I'm also Wise Words That Matter on Facebook, and you can also find me on LinkedIn under my name, which is Krista Janik. So that's how you can find me and, and get a hold of me. Excellent. Appreciate that. And I'll certainly include that info in the show notes uh, for everyone as well. Thanks again for having me, Greg.
Absolutely. Yeah. Again, our guest has been Krista Janik and really appreciate the time, Krista. You definitely presented so many interesting and thought provoking ideas. And I just love how you frame your thoughts and express yourself and really enjoy this conversation. And thanks so much for joining us here on Eyes Free Sports. Thank you. Take care. Be sure to follow the Eyes Free Sports podcast at facebook.com slash eyesfreesports and on Twitter at eyesfreesports. Sports.